Okay, and the story begins, chapter 17, page 201. So what's, what's happening here? What's going on? Yeah, we're going to learn about the complete Rashi and incomplete Rashi and okay. how even the complete Rashi still has hope of okay, repentance. Good. Okay, good. The complete Rashi has hope. What else? Um, talks about what we can do, what's in our hands, okay. what's, what's capable to everyone. So it kind of makes the, the inner emotional or psychological divine service a little bit more... Approachable. Approachable. Yeah. Okay, good word. Good good point. The entire purpose of Tanya, <clears throat> as we this uh, studied in the cover letter on page one, is to explain one verse in Torah. This verse is quoted again at the beginning of our chapter on page two oh one, the first of the bold uh, sorry, the, the the second to last bold line on page two oh one. The verse says in De Deuteronomy, rather, this thing is very much within reach for you. In your mouth, in your heart, so you can do it. This thing referring to Torah and mitzvahs, a relationship with God, is in reach, is very practical, is very doable, not only it, uh, verbally and not only behaviorally, but even emotionally. We can all have an emotional relationship with God. It's not something that's in heaven. It's not something that we need to cross the sea and uproot mountains to obtain or attain. It's very within reach, very much within reach, which is a crazy statement. I can be passionate and love God when I've never seen Him, when I've never spoken to Him. It's actually a weird concept, honestly, when you think about that. We want to have a passionate relationship with a God we can't see. Well, if He doesn't make Himself visible, why does He want to be loved? <laughs> I guess that's... That's a rhetorical minimal, question, right? It is a rhetorical question, sort of. I mean, look, when we search for Him and we don't see Him, it's obviously a lot more uh, valuable. There's that faith aspect there. So, uh, but last in, in, yes. in, in here, Ecclesiastes is quoted, right? Mm -hmm. And the conclusion of the matter is, observe his commandments, for this is the whole purpose of man. Okay. So, so somehow the answer to your question of why does he want to be loved has to be observing his commandments in some way. Okay. So or is that the expression of our of love, love? Exactly. So bottom line is action. Like it says in Pirkei Avot, the, the main thing isn't the, the studying and, the, and the, the main thing is the action that it leads to. But God wants our relationship to be wholesome. To not just be a relationship with the body, but to be a relationship with the soul. To so not just be a behavioral connection, but to be an emotional connection. That's why you're supposed to turn your heart away from the pleasures. Mm -hmm. The emotional connection is easier sometimes than the spiritual connection. Right. What do you mean by spiritual connection? By then mitzvahs? Yeah. I would disagree. I, it, you know, either tefillin is very black and white. You either put it on, you didn't. You know, you lit the Shabbos candles, you didn't. You ate kosher, you didn't eat kosher. <laughs> yeah, but when it comes to an emotional connection, it's not so... Okay. How do you, how do you command somebody to love? 
No, I know what you're saying. But that was yeah. chapter 16, right? Is that what that was chapter to? 16, yeah. Where there's an intermittent no, once in a while and you can feel the emotion. Tall. I agree with that. To tell somebody to love someone, you know, imagine a matchmaker telling someone, just, just let it yeah, just do it, just do it, just love. How do we grow into love with God? Last week we gave the example of the rubber band, which is broken now. Um, for those, <laughs> um, if our love is not somewhat on level with our behavior in terms of our relationship with God, there's bound to be tension, which is not comfortable. So we said that there's an, we can have enough love to be functional. Perhaps not a passionate love, but we said we can ha at least have a functional love, an appreciation. I don't know if I am passionate about it, but at least I get it. I get why I should be doing this. And that's enough to motivate me and for there to not be tension in this relationship. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of times the other way around, where you're passionate about it, then you don't know why. Okay. Irrational. Kind of okay. Yeah, that that definitely is a thing. Yeah. You know, we 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 can be inspired, and we don't know what the source of that inspiration is, and there, there's something deeper. Yeah. But but the normal uh, process is, you know, we're going to show, we're 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 expected to do certain things. Yeah. Yet if we don't feel passionate about it, there's bound to be tension. Yeah. And what we're saying here is to if I can't feel it, at least learn about it and appreciate it. So, for example, I love to eat junk food. Yeah, that's and good. Yeah, I, I love to eat. <laughs> exactly, right here. The, 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 the popcorn. I love to eat junk food. I'm passionate about it. I'm passionate, but, but, but it's something I enjoy. Now, you, you, my doctor convinces me and says, look, you got to eat healthily. I try to eat healthily. I try to go on a diet, but there's this inner tension. I don't want to eat healthy, but I have to eat healthy, there's, there's tension. How do I get myself to want to eat healthy? So, okay, fear. <laughs> if it's fear of God out of fear, right? Am I ever going to get passionate about being healthy? Maybe. Uh -huh. Some people will. Maybe I'll get in super shape. Maybe I'll get inspired and be passionate about being healthy. But what we're saying here is even if you're not passionate about eating healthily, at least understand why it's important to eat healthily, appreciate the value of eating healthily and living a healthy lifestyle, and at least when you're eating healthy food and you're forced to eat healthy food, you won't resent it. When we appreciate God on some level, even if we're not passionate yet, at least we won't resent it. There won't be that inner tension. There won't be that inner friction. That, that's having the discipline to control your actions and make them manageable. Y yes, that that's also true. No, eventually we get into a routine, and and but when that when we're first starting off, at, at least an appreciation will will be helpful. So I may not fall in love, but at least I'll appreciate. And it's referred to here as. Where are we? Here, at the bottom of page 203, second to last paragraph. This minimal love being the desire of the heart. This minimal love that we have, which is an appreciation, is not so much a love as much as it is a will. So, but I think what he was saying was um, something more that there's a passion 
which is not a minimal love or an appreciation, but something stronger, right? And that seems more significant to you than the intellectual or, or something. And I think what he's referring to is on page 188, where it talks about um, the first or chapter 16, the beginning. Uh, when it comes to practical observance, the Benoni is a great success, but he struggles to maintain a steady emotional attachment to God. His feelings fluctuate between utter rapture, which is that passion you're talking about, when his prayers and meditation go well, mm -hmm. to thoughts of selfish, animalistic behavior. So, so I, I guess is that kind of yeah. more the ups and downs you're talking about? Well, well the Benoni will have inspired moments. When Benoni is praying, mm -hmm. he may feel on a very high inspired level, but when he closes the prayer book and leaves the synagogue, Oopsie. Exactly. He mm -hmm. feels he doesn't necessarily feel as passionate. The connection is sort of severed. Yeah, or not severed, but but dormant. He doesn't necessarily feel that connection anymore. So then it goes on to say, you know, we'll spend our lives in conflicting urges alongside the selfish, but then don't. This not cause for alarm. The but but look at it this way: not not every Benjamin is going to be on that level. Not every. Well, this this seems to be uh, you know there already, so. We we have special people like Jonah, but but people, uh, but not everybody is not going a lot to. Of work to do. <laughs> not everybody's going to be on this beaming, passionate level, even during prayer. Mm -hmm. well, that's what meditation is. And that's where the meditation comes in. But the, what the meditation is trying to accomplish in chapter seventeen is to develop at least a functional love and appreciation, which he refers to as a will. I may not love, but I'll at least want. I may not love to eat healthily but I'll uh, at least want to eat healthy because I should. I may not want to do a, I may not be passionate about doing a mitzvah. Is, may, want, is that like try? But I, but I at least want to. Good question. What's the difference between want and love? I want to try. Let's take a look. You're saying I, I want, want to want. Good intention. And try and love is... Emotional? Is a reaction? Okay. I don't know. Try seems to have the connotation of I'll give myself room to fail. Want is this, uh, you know, we're not worrying about the right. outcome. I'm going to go for it kind of thing. Well, true, true will. Nothing will get in the way of true will, yeah. right? Actually, he says, he says that in no, he says that in chapter 47. If we really want it, nothing will stop it. There's a will. There's a way. Doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. But let's take a look. A text seven. Text seven is an ex. Sorry, text. I don't know why I said seven. Text one, <laughs> on our sheets here. <laughs> so text one is an excerpt from Lukutei Torah, which is a collection of discourses by uh, by the Altarever, the author of the Tanya. And he says that the Hebrew word for love. Right? It says here in text 1, the Hebrew word for love is ahava, which comes from the word ava. The root word of the Hebrew word love, ava, comes from the word ava, which means will. So love actually means will. True love means I want. Now, what's it? Now, will, hold on to this. Write this down. You'll put this in your toolbox. Will. Yeah, there we go. Will is the inner core, is the motivation of emotions. Will motivates emotion. And he, and he proves it. He doesn't prove it, but he, but he shows emotions that... Emotions don't motivate will. I'm passionate about something because I want it. So if I'm having trouble, about be, trouble being passionate about Judaism, 
Step one is to appreciate it so I want it. At least I'll want it, right? This is evident in the fact that will directs a person's emotions. Whether it's to be an item or an activity or whatever it is that is considered to be emotionally pleasurable, enjoyable, yet for whatever reason the person has no interest, no will, then he would not experience that pleasure, right? It may be enjoyable, but I don't want it, so I sucked out all the joy <laughs> because I don't want it. Will is what's in control. Conversely, were a particular item or activity or whatever it may be considered to be painful or uncomfortable, but it was in line with his will, he would not notice the pain so much. Right? How often can the, the, um, how often can halacha, can Jewish law and Jewish traditions be inconvenient, but we want it, and we don't even notice that it's a nuisance often? Hmm. Because we want it. This is because emotions depend, are dependent on will, since it is their inner core and vitality. What directs emotions, what creates them, what motivates them is will. If we want to feel God, we have to at least want Him to appreciate Him. And that's why He says this minimal level of love that we're trying to develop, at the very least, is to at least want, will of the heart, as it says in the Zohar. Mm. Any thoughts? Does it, does it make sense? Everyone with me? Yeah. Sort of. I don't necessarily uh, agree, but I okay. it does make sense. In, in what way? Because we're going back to emotions and... and Emotions are not necessarily the most consistent way of dealing with things. Correct, exactly. I guess, I guess the trouble comes because we're, we're saying that emotions, when led astray, you know, go towards negative things, bad things, right? Yeah. But then we're supposed to become they, they go towards, them with our minds. Towards yeah. self-centered self, uh, things. And then when we rule them with our mind, we could at least keep them in control and make I'm it so right. that our actions are, are right, even though our emotions are up. But then the highest level is when the emotions go towards God, the good things. So in, in, in other words... So I guess the whole thing is to try to get the emotions to go towards the right thing. Exactly. And it's the lowest level of a not, not a Russia, of a Benini, is I have no interest in this. I'm not feeling it. I'll suppress my emotions and I'll do what I have to do. But ideally, we shouldn't have to suppress our, motion, our emotions so we can do what's right. Our emotions should motivate us to want to do what's right. So you have to learn Torah to be motivated to do what's right so that you can exactly. do what's right with meaning and Exactly. So when we learn, when we study, when we meditate, we can at least appreciate and develop some sort of will. So am I passionate about doing this mitzvah? Maybe not yet. But do I at least want to do the mitzvah? Yes. Which will ultimately develop passion because will motivates passion. Kind of fake it till you make it, but you're faking it till you make it because you want it. If you didn't want it, fake it till you make it wouldn't work. And as you tap into it, your channel will get bigger and wider and... It'll be easier for you. 
Exactly. Exactly. So when you're meditating, are you changing the thought pattern to give it more drive and to make it part of your meaning or part of your wanting to do it, part of enjoyment? That we're meditating to connect. But why are we connecting? Why is it important to connect? Making the connection, maybe thinking about making the connection of what you're doing to the meaning and the purpose. I don't know if it's linked. Or is it a more like a spiritual linking? Well, I guess the question is, what are we meditating about? What are we... In other words, the way we, we're here to develop... Is, is meditation different from prayer? Like, from davening? Very good question. You have to sign up for the... No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> very good question. Um, they usually come hand in hand. Davening is set up to be a guided meditation. Okay. So meditation... There's the meditation to prepare us for davening, which is a guided meditation. So the answer to your question is yes and no. Kind of like getting your head in the right space. The last week he explained, yeah. Josh explained that you do meditation and that leads you to want to pray. And then after you pray, you become so enraptured that it leads you to want to meditate. So then they seem like they could be separate. Then. They can be separate, but, but the, the way the, the structure of the davening is set up as a guided meditation. Okay. Where we start off just... <coughs> We with Modna'ani. I'm just admitting yeah. to God's reality. And then we start <coughs> off praising Him. We, we dwell deeper. Meditation seems more rational than dominant. Well, there's also... So, over here, he, he's talking... He's not... It, it could be both. It could be both. Okay. It, could be, it could be either. So, you're getting to a meditative state by doing Modna'ani. Then you praise God. And there we go. Step okay. by step by step. So, you get all the way down to... Yeah, and the confessional prayer. But what he says here, if you look on page 204, he says, and he actually uses very strong language here, on the top of page 204, this thing is very much within reach, as the verse said, this thing is very close, but he adds another word, and easily accessible for anyone who has a brain in his head, which is very strong language. If you, if, if, you ha, if anybody who has a brain can access uh, appreciation. So it means that people don't have brains can't do. Not a brain in their heart. Good question. Very, no, very good question. If somebody's not necessarily uh, an intellectual, yeah. how can they access this passion? And for that, we're gonna, we'll get into, from the heart, we'll get to there in chapter 18 next week. I was going to say 47 again. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there in chapter 18 again. So, very good point, and we'll, we'll, we'll circle that question. We'll get yeah, back to it. That's a good point. Yeah, we'll get back to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. We'll get back to it. It's okay. It's the same kind of term. Yeah, you have that. to check your audience, and now you have to maybe go to 18 first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to wait two weeks. What? We have to wait two weeks. Two weeks. Is there a class next week? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, continue. But. So in terms of developing will, so we can have some sort of direct, which can direct our love, as long as we have a brain, we're good. Why? What is our brain going to do? You could use your brain to think about whatever you want. Nobody could tell you what to think about. You could think about whatever you want. And if you think about the greatness of the Blessed Infinite One, think about the greatness of God, you'll inevitably generate, at least in your mind, a love for God which we're defining as a will, appreciation. If I think about the greatness of God, I'll develop a love for God. 
what I feel is a, and what I appreciate in life, is a reaction, a product of what I, of how I think. Right? The more I think about God, the more I'll appreciate Him. How, do, how does that work? What am I supposed to think about? Thinking about the greatness of God seems very vague. He didn't really tell us what to... He tell, if you meditate on God, you'll feel God, you'll be motivated to do mitzvahs, it won't be such a burden anymore. You'll have an emotional relationship with God, or at least an intellectual relationship with God, not just an action-based relationship with God. But what am I supposed to exactly think about when it comes to the greatness of God? What do I know about God? What we hmm. know is our connection with Him. As in what we know, everything that He is all powerful. Everything okay. of our lives pertain to Him. Okay. Okay. And everything that we are is from God. But over here, he's, he just he tells us we need to meditate, 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 and when we meditate, we feel. He doesn't really spell it out for us, hmm. or at least not yet. It's subjective. Whatever we think. You would inevitably generate, at least in your mind, a love for God. Suspicion to inspire you to attach yourself to Him through the practical. Sharon raises a very good point. Is it subjective? Then is because it really God? Or is it just my perception of him? If I invent a God and then I think about him, I'll be inspired about him, but it's not, is it the real thing? It's, it's real to us. And it's real That's true. what we learned. That's true. But, okay, I like it. But like back with like what we said in chapter fifth, uh, 15, there's preferable reality and there's reality. And they're both real to some degree. My reality is not necessarily the truth, but it's the truth for me. If it gets me to love God and it works. And if it's true and you taste it and it'll never change. If it, it yeah. I mean, that's bottom line truth. Mm. So if, of if, truth. If God feels it differently, then it's different. Then it's different. <laughs> so there's two types. Yes, sorry? Oh, quick question. Um, yeah. So in, I, I don't remember the passage, but there was something about... Um, God was talking to Moses, I think, and Moses said that uh, God was saying, "I'm going to get rid of all these people, and I'll just make new people out of you," and uh, or, or some, some something. Yeah, like right. And God says, um, yeah. you know, "If I some... want to, I can make the rocks into into people and raise them to life." Something, something of this nature. And so, the the idea that I'm trying to draw from that is that if you contemplate anything, even the rocks, and see it in its magnificence, and that. Uh, everything, you know, gravity works and all these different things, does that naturally lead you to an appreciation for the greatness of no. God? I mean, that's kind of true for me, at least. Or is that humanism and, and some sort of, some other natural yeah, philosophy? I was thinking it's kind of like humanism, but it, it, can, tie in, it can tie into, uh, I guess, spiritual relation, relationship, too. It's like if you go... Like on the hike alone in the woods, you just contemplate the, the beauty of the natural world. Like how, how, how is this so like, beautiful? It kind of makes you think, it sounds a little bit cliche, but it's like, it has so to be it's like some, you're both raising very there. valid points. When well, I see how beautiful the world is, and I just appreciate the beauty of the world and how that makes me feel, so that's not necessarily, it might be spiritual, it might feel good. But we need to take it a step further. There's this beautiful world. How, what type of artist could have made this? That's a, yeah, that's where I was going with that. 
when when right you see a beautiful building a beautiful product a pro uh, it's product not goes a pollock up. it's not just spots on canvas right it's designed yeah. somehow it's it's, that, that's our point beautiful. that's yeah. our point that there's this beautiful des if there's a beautiful design there must be an incredible designer that's what i was going to say yeah, yeah. so we're, th we're thanking god for things that he well, what, we can appreciate his greatness by seeing what he's done um, in this world. And, and the idea is basically, it doesn't, it's not sufficient just to think about how God is great, because that's very general, very vague. Yeah. We have to think about how God is relevant. So like when a baby's born, and we thank God for the, the health of the baby and all those things. And, and, I mean, that's a it's, miracle itself. It's right. So that's, that's, I mean, that's... Just oh, it's an automatic reaction to be grateful for things that are in someone else's yeah. control. And it, it's not just that God is, there's a great God, and I'm thinking about how over here. This is what he says. But later on, we'll and we'll see soon in later chapters, and he just he provides very specific meditations. It's important for meditation to not be general, but to be concrete. So not just think about how God is great, but how God is relevant. Let's take a look in text two. Text 2 is a as an excerpt from a book called Kuntras Hatzfil, an essay on prayer by Rabbi Shalom Dov Be'er Lubavitch. And he says one must execute specific meditation during prayer or, if you will, concrete meditation. That's probably a better way to uh, translation. General meditation is not sufficient to develop feelings. Even if you're knowledgeable about a, sp about a spiritual concept, and understand it clearly, were you to think about it during prayer merely in a general way, it would only abstractly enlighten your mind and heart, and the excitement would not last, nor will it impact the emotions of the animal soul. Uh -huh. So it would be too superficial. It would be superficial, it'd be, it wouldn't be relevant. I need to think about not how God is great, but how God is relevant and personal. There has to be very something very specific that I'm meditating on. Maybe the natural world, you think, wow, what a great environment to put on something to fill in. <laughs> so, 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 so what happens, because what can happen is we meditate, mm -hmm. we feel spiritual, we feel like we're zoning out from the world, we get on this high, and what happens is we feel good about ourselves, and that's really about it. We feel good about ourselves, which is great. I'm not against feeling good about yourself. We should all feel great about ourselves. But in the context of Tanya, what's our purpose? The purpose is not just to feel good about ourselves, but to feel passionate about and to embrace a deeper sense of ourselves, to connect. And if we think, so if we, we, we connect and we do the mitzvot and we do the exactly. commandments and we, and we follow through. So it, it could all start with meditation because meditation in Judaism and in, in Chassidus doesn't just mean zoning out from life, but it's actually zooming in on life, on, on the reality of God. So most of the examples are just nature, but I mean, in terms of people and what they do and how awesome okay. they are and how inspired you are through what they've done through their religious beliefs through their connection with god good 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 i'm, I'm okay i'm glad you mentioned that because i mean like nature is there but it's not the be all and end all because we're and, there, and it's not another human i mean when we connect with some another human what they've accomplished or what we are looking at it's because different. actually made them 
Okay, perfect. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Let's take a look. We're going to jump to chapter 46. Uh-oh. We knew this was Page 595. At least it's in the same book. Hey, you're a jumper. Do you have that written down? Page number? Yeah. Oh, okay. I wrote it down. Just the if they say that, <laughs> if they say this, we'll go to this page. Yeah, exactly. If they say that, we'll go to that page. It's all, it's all planned out. Uh, thank you for planning. <laughs> really? 585. 595. Think, uh, so in 595, chapter 46, the Altarebbe provides, so throughout the 40s, chapters, 40 till 50-ish, he provides many different meditations. Some of the meditations are nature, and if there's a world, there must be a God, and if there's an incredible world, there must be an amazing God. But here's in a meditation that he provides in, in context of our relationship to him. So he starts off, we're not going to read the whole chapter, it's a long chapter, but in the beginning of the chapter, he brings a verse from, in the beginning of the chapter is page... 589. Should we go into 589? Jump to 589 for for one second. Sorry, not five. Sorry, I'm I'm a little disorganized here. Sorry, jump to 590 for one second. We'll go back to 595 in in a, in a minute. Page 590, the middle paragraph. And this is a straightforward way to cause the light of love, which is implanted in your heart, in latent there to awaken and shine. So how do we develop love? What meditation do we provide? So he brings a verse from Proverbs, from King Solomon. Take heart to the verse. As your face reflects a face in water, so too the heart of man to man. So when you show, just like, just as when you look at the water, you look at a mirror, you see your face. When you show affection towards someone, they will feel that affection toward you. Mm -hmm. And conversely, when you feel affection from someone, you will feel affection toward them. The al then says, now, if you feel affection from someone who's much greater than you, you're not on evil, even playing grounds. A king who has so much attention who has the ministers and has all of the king's horses, all the king's men, right? Everybody. The king has so much going on. But he decided to show his affection toward you. How will that feel? Lifts him out of the dirt and dignifies him. <clears throat> right? Yeah. Imagine we were imagine a homeless person in which the king shows affection toward. How is that homeless person gonna feel? He takes the homeless person in. He gives him a room. He showers him. He embraces him. He How would he? He gives him value. Like he gives him, he, he gave somebody value, but more value than he's giving to to anybody else that's on a higher level, to the ministers, to the servants, to. But his behavior is giving them because they can see what he's doing, and then it's giving being a role model. And then other people would maybe have the same sort of idea that that this is the right thing to do since someone that's so far up there did something. So now, I, now we can apply that meditation to our relationship with God. God's a king. 
He has all of his ministers in the spiritual world. So there's all the heavenly angels and souls. There's a lot going on. But he made a decision. I want you. I don't want the people in I don't want the souls in heaven. I don't care about them. I care about you on earth. Mm. That's why he took us out of Egypt. Let's take a look at page 595. Um, the first, not the first, sorry, the third paragraph. For the blessed, holy, the blessed Holy One, God, has disregarded the worship of the upper and lower worlds, and he chose none of them except Israel, his people. He decided to dedicate or direct his attention towards us. Let's jump down to the next bold paragraph. And he took the Israelites out from Egypt, the lands, depravity, 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 thank you, a place of spiritual pollution and impurity. And the king traveled down himself, not through an angel, not through a fiery angel, nor through a messenger. Rather, it was the blessed Holy One himself in his glory who went down there. So God didn't even send a messenger. The king didn't, the king himself went to San Francisco, picked up the homeless person and took him in. He didn't even send a messenger. Seven <laughs> Eleven or wherever it is. The king went down to Egypt himself and said, I want you. God embraces us. And when we realize and think about how much God embraces us. And by the way, he did this 2,000 years ago when we left Egypt. But he, as we'll continue in chapter 47, he actually does this on a daily basis. He always takes us out of Egypt. The only difference is when we were leaving Egypt, he took us out. To leave Egypt now, we have to want to go out. We have to what? We have to want to go out of Egypt. Exactly. If we decide to leave Egypt, when we say the Shema Yisrael and pronounce God, God's oneness and decide to connect to him, He's taking us out of Egypt. What did I do to merit this? Perhaps nothing. Perhaps it's not about the merit. It's about the relationship. Now, think about that for a good three minutes in the morning as you're about to pray. And you're meditating. And that, that's, med that's what meditating is. Meditating is a scary word. Just Are you think. Thinking about the history? Or? About the history and how that applies now. About the present. How right now God is taking me out of Egypt. Right now, I can leave Egypt. Right now, I don't have to be limited. Like to be a better version of yourself. To be a better version of yourself. To be to connect. Even if it's just to to strip away the layers. Even if it's just in your head. And there's my soul. There's this soul connection to God. And by the way, in 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 this chapter, so he says the king in the in the analogy, the king embraces the homeless person. The king kisses the homeless person. God does the same thing. He embraces us. That's what a mitzvah is. When we do a mitzvah, God is embracing us. When we wrap tefillin, when we light the candles, He's embracing us. Because it's physical touch that makes a relationship all that much more meaningful. When we study Torah with our lips, God is kissing us. It's the mm. physical touch that makes our relationship with God all that more meaningful. He refers to this relationship with God as a marriage. Um, this is based on King Solomon's book, Song of Songs, Shir Hashirim. What do we say before we, the, any blessing before a mitzvah? We say, Asher Kiddishanu. He has sanctified us. The way you say, um, betrothed, to betroth, to marry, 
In Hebrew is also Kiddushin, same word. God is betrothing us. Just as a husband will give his wife the ring, and he says, you are mine, that's what we say under the chuppah, you are mine, we are one. God is giving us a ring. He's giving us the Torah. He's giving us the mitzvahs. He's giving us opportunities to connect and saying, you are mine. Please accept this wonderful offer. So that's what we call concrete meditation, not just general meditation. Going back to text two on our sheets here. You have to do a little bit of studying. So you have to have something to meditate on. Yeah. Yeah. What about, um, so that's relevant, I guess, in some sense, but what about the relevant in the uh, unpleasant times? Like, uh, you know, the policeman who is investigating a murder case or, um, you know, a disobedient child or having to clean up after the dog, you know, these... Um, the mundane. Yeah, the mundane, the unpleasant, the, uh, you know... Yeah. What about it? How how was how was uh, uh, how how do we make that relevant, and how do we see the um, how do we see the greatness of the blessed and the holy one in these in these things? It's not like God didn't make poop or didn't make I mean, for part of its purpose. So how do we see that? How, how, you know, how clean, we... Cleaning up God's world. It, it, it's going to be. If I understand your, your question correctly, it's going to be different for everybody. Everybody's going to experience but, but is God not, in, in uh, their own way. Is it not also a relevant place where we should see um, the greatness of the blessed infinite one? Not in the mundane. Why not? Yes, because did he's did God me spend the power any less energy? <laughs> we should see God in the mundane. Really? Because he chose us to be in this world. If he didn't want the mundane, he would have chosen the the angels and the souls. Well, it's like, this is like what I told also, the fact that there are special times for that's, 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 that's not yeah. happening all the time. Make those moments more <laughs> worthwhile. Okay, interesting point. Yeah. The, the, the fact that davening, which is the time to meditate, has specific specific times throughout the day suggests that. Those are the times. That those are the times to reflect. Not that you can't reflect other times. But you can reflect in other times as well. Yeah, he says. You I mean, I guess what your question is: How do you find? How do you find when meaning? You're walking, pray when you're talking to your kids. Pray. I, I told you. Going in, coming out, all the time. My aunt's eighty-seven years old. Every time she drops something on the floor, she thanks God that she could bend over and pick it up. Beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> I mean, you guess you, if you look it's hard beautiful. enough, you can find the good in. You can find the good in. <laughs> if you look long enough, you can find the. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's all about perception, right? Okay. Before we move on, any thoughts, questions? Is everything clear? Uh, so, so how are we supposed to find? How are we supposed to find, you know, what to meditate on in the in the unpleasant times? I guess, or how how does? How do we uh, control our thoughts when when things are not going our way? To to have this sort of positive, desired connection with God. In other words, where does faith come from? Or how how does faith uh, manifest itself when 
with when it's <laughs> not going well. It's not easy when you're getting all those letters. It's simply yeah. saying it's easy to pray when everything's perfect. When everything's not perfect, it's more of a challenge, and therefore you actually have to fight. Now, you, you can argue the other way also. It's easy to pray when everything's going wrong, because that's the first that's thing you scream at. Yeah. It's when everything's easy. We need to take time and actually appreciate what God gives us and in praise. How often do we do people pray for things? People, I, I would venture to say that people are would more often pray for things than actually thank God for things. Yeah. Which is not a bad thing. It's an important thing to pray for things. And I, but like, I know God, I do. Does God really care about if you get a new job or something like that? He does because he wants you to be the best you. He does because he got you that new job. Okay. And there's a reason.